we got to hurry up. I got to catch a film. So yeah, you're going to see to past side, lives. I am. Welcome to the Side Talks podcast. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, what's up, Ding Dongs? Get on the road. Um, do you want to introduce ourselves? I'm Rachel or? Morgan. I'm, I'm, I'm creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema and Festival. I'm Corey Kraft. I'm a programmer for those things. And we're going to talk about some movies that we've seen, uh, mm-hmm. not past lives, because we haven't seen it yet. Not yet. And some and related. Let's go. Bye. So it's that music segment. Love it. It's been a minute, too. But I hit you guys with a question, right? And that question was, what is your favorite biopic about a musician? Right? And not a documentary at all, right? But like a narrative telling of a musician's life. What are are y'all thinking? Where where do you land on this favorite one? I got a darn list here, all right? Oh, my God. Of course Because there there, there are a lot of- You're supposed to pick one. Choices. I couldn't pick one because there are different sort of categories. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, okay. let's hear what you got. So, if we're talking about a traditional sort of structured Hollywood biopic of a musician, no postmodern trickery, no no fucking around with with okay. stuff. I guess, and this is recency bias because I've seen this fairly sure, recently. Of course. Uh, I got to go with Cold Miner's Daughter. Um, oh, it's 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 awesome. It's on my which it's is, in my top. It's got to be one of the top musician biopics out there just because of the strength of Sissy Spacex performance. I mean, right? for so many reasons too, though. I mean, I feel like it's the texture of her life. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. because she was alive, she was able to kind of, you know, really consult on this. And also, you know, Sissy was able to speak with her and the fact that Sissy Spacex did the music herself. And I mean, it's just a list of so many things. Um, the location shooting, all of it, I think makes yeah. it really lovely and wonderful. Yeah. And watching those press interviews with the two of them too, like yeah. seeing mm-hmm. how, I don't know, bonded they were after yep. the whole thing was done. It's cool. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a good choice, I think. So if we're going with non-traditional sort of, again, trickery to sort of match this artist's mercurial personalities throughout the, the years, I got to go with Todd Haynes' film, I'm Not There, about Bob Dylan, okay. ostensibly mm-hmm. about Bob right. Dylan, but yeah. in which the Dylan figure is played by six different actors. Ambitious, interesting, experimental. Yes, very doesn't, experimental. It doesn't hit my list because I don't, I think it's it leans so far into the territory of trying something new that it just doesn't stick with me, if that makes sense. But much, much respect to this to this effort. Yeah, I, it just feels to me more true to Dylan as a that. person yeah. than an, an A to B to C sort of straightforward biopic would be because he is so weird and so ever changing uh, as a public figure, at least in the period of time from the '60s to the. 90s or how where wherever the movie stops chronologically. Right. Also, um, I'm not a Dylan fan. I'm I know, a big Dylan. I know, I know. Yeah. Whatever. And I'm a big Todd Haynes fan. <laughs> whatever. Um, I mean, I am. I'm a Todd Haynes fan, but I'm not a Dylan fan. But respect. So, also, Kate Blanchett casting. Yeah, that's much great. Respect. It's so good. Yeah. Very cool. Um, the, a movie that's sort of a biopic, but not really because it's not really officially about this person. But come on, everybody knows who it's about, and it's a movie that I really like. Uh, is Gus Van Sant's Last Days, um, which is sort of about I mean, if anybody Kurt thinks it's about anything yeah. but Kurt Cobain, they've lost their mind. Right. That's insane. I mean, to even is, think that. It is about the final weekend of Cobain's life in that sort of very yeah. spare Van Sant style. I really like that movie. This, the the ever-evolving spare Van Sant style. It, it's, to me, I love Gus Van Sant. I, I tend to – he's gone down the stony road a little bit for me, and this uh-huh. is one where I'm like, you know what it feels like to me? So sorry to insult you here. Uh-oh. But it feels a little like, oh, it's The Sims with Kurt Cobain. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I can see that. This is probably one of my favorite Van Sant movies because, like, he's very hit or miss for me, um, especially modern Van Sant. Because, well, my know. own Private Idaho is, is definitely sure. a, a, a super fave sure. for me. But anyway, I mean, to each their own. I get it. it it's, it's, it's dreamy. It's, you know, hypnotic. Yeah, I think that's what I, I, I appreciate I think it's about a bit it. unpleasant. Oh, certainly. Yeah. It's deeply unpleasant. And then finally, a, a movie that sort of buried the music biopic genre single-handedly. Like, every time post the release of this movie, I can't help but think about this movie every time I see a music, musical biopic. And that's the parody film from... 2007 Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story oh with God, John C. Riley, which is uh, not only one of the funniest movies of the 21st century, but a, an amazing that. act of film criticism because it's so thoroughly just slices and dices all of the tropes of these movies, but especially like Walk the Line and Ray, which had just come out around that yeah, time. Which I can't, I, these are, I can't, that I have so much trouble with this genre. I think most of the time goes so bad. Well, it's yeah. paint by numbers. Like I just saw this this Whitney Houston biopic that came it's out last so year. Bad. That's a terrible fucking movie. And then you've got like what Bohemian Rhapsody and all terrible. of these other. Yeah, it's not a good movie. Um, all these other sort of paint by numbers musician biopics that follow the same structure, but Walk Hard aptly just like destroyed that structure in 2007 yeah. like you can't make that sort of movie anymore right without falling back on some lazy shit that that movie pointed out and every time i see that movie you know it, it starts with like elderly dewey cox getting ready to walk on stage but he's about to have this flashback <laughs> and this guy tries to talk to him and tim meadows stops him and he's like <laughs> i stop, love tim stop right there. dewey cox has to think about his whole life before he plays and oh we you know God. go back into the flashback and we see his entire life of course um which is so funny oh it's so good uh that's a movie that i want to put on the sidewalk screen one day because it is so good and worth seeing with a crowd for sure. All right. I've taken up, taken up enough time. All right. So I came in with a <clears throat> alternate cause I was afraid one of you guys would do, uh, I mean, you Cole never Miner's know. Daughter. But yeah, yeah that, sorry about that, that. would there have you to are. be my number one, but got showed up while my alt is formulaic in the ways that we've talked about some of these other... First of all, is it biopic or biopic? It's, it's I, a matter of contention. Okay, yeah. cool. I, I think biopic sounds cooler. I do too. Um, I'm going with straight out of Compton. Because yeah, there needs yeah. to be more... At this point in musical history, there needs to be more biopics coming from hip-hop, that world. You're not wrong about that. That movie is 45 minutes too long. Yeah. But it is very entertaining. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that it's a great piece of film, but I wish if they're going to have that because as a musician too, I got I probably have a different outlook on these things. For sure, because, uh -huh. you know I've been doing music first time in the studio was when I was 14 years old, and so you watch these things and it's like okay, yeah. it's, I mean I get it. But this is just a movie. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Well, because like, when people make movies about filmmaking, they're mm -hmm. making a movie. Exactly. So it is right. actually generally accurate, you know? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I can see like it, basically any other subject other than filmmaking, we're just like, it doesn't really matter if the guitar's plugged in. It looks cooler not right. plugged in. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, I mean, they make it look, they kind of over 
dramatize the genius in a lot of these uh-huh. situations, especially in like studio situ- situations in these For films sure. where it's like, I don't n- believe it. No, no, they didn't just walk in the room that day with nothing and come up with. They walked in the room. Just, oh, the police are really bothering. Exactly. Me. These, right. I, I, I just Whatever. Wanna, wait a minute. What'd you say? Did you say fuck the police? Wait a minute, fellas. I got something. Yeah, because no matter how you feel about any of these artists as as musicians or artists, like they all worked hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was a lot that went into all these records and whatever. these careers Look, or whatever. Y'all can say whatever you want. I've seen Coyote Ugly. She's on the roof. She's playing the keyboard. That guy is like rapping across course, the way. That's how music happens, Brad. I uh, know. I'm sorry. You're it's right. it's a lot more cinematic to have the sudden like <laughs> lightning bolt of, infor- of, of inspiration. I, that's though, what right? I mean. I know it's all formulaic or whatever, uh, but again, I do, I do wish there were more biopics, music biopics from hip hop rap. Yeah. You know, I, I liked, um, notorious all right which I is didn't about see biggie that. it's okay uh, i i didn't see the tupac biopic because people thought it was uh, terrible it looked um, i think i watched the trailer and it looked i like tupac too much to but i did like notorious well enough for I'll what it was out. trying to do i mean again formulaic of course and not as good as straight out of compton but but you know it had its it had its stuff right on well, you know, Cole Myers' daughter was on my list, of right. course, but it wasn't the top. Okay. Um, I'm going to actually go with Sid and Nancy. Yeah. it was, was That was wondering. a life-changing film for me when I was very, very young. Uh, and I had, was living in Houston, and my mom – I couldn't drive yet. My mom took me to go see this, like, way out in downtown Houston. We lived in the suburbs. And it really just was life-changing to me. I'd ar- I mean, I really already liked the Sex Pistols a lot, but yeah. I don't know what it was. It just really kind of warped my brain in a particular way. Um, and I just loved it. I loved it. I don't know. It was the vibe. It was all of it. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Was I, it because I, it was Sid and Nancy or you know what I'm saying? Like was the movie? I don't, I, don't, I can't, it, I, I wish I could go and kind of wrap, wrap my arms around what exactly it was. I don't know. It was like maybe even just vibing out on like, you know, mm. Courtney loves playing sure. the friend of Nancy Spungen in the hallway right. at this. Mm. Chel- I think it was just seeing the Chelsea and seeing, you know, I don't, I, I, it's hard to say. And Gary Oldman was so good in it. Yeah, um, true. So I, it just felt like this thing that had happened in the past that I was so into, and not in the, that distant the past, but it, you know, it happened in the past that I was um, so into kind of came to life for me mm-hmm. in this particular way. So I, I, I don't know. And there's that crazy like trash dumpster scene. I think I'd never <sighs> oh, seen yeah. a, you know, a romance that was right. so dark and nasty and terrible but also treated in this way that was, you know, kind of celebrating it, which is, which I think it was just, it was just fucked up enough for me, Mm -hmm. but I was like, what is this thing? You know, it was sort of fascinating. Mm, That makes sense. Um, And so I'm going to say, I'm going to say that one because it it, it also kind of stands out as feeling very different. But if I'm going to go down, you know, just kind of throw out a couple more purple rain, isn't really a biopic, but it is so much ripped from Prince's life and watching Prince kind of play Prince. And it's just an incredible film, period. So I've got to, I've got to kind of throw, you know, throw it onto the list. Um, and similarly, like her smell is not really about oh, Courtney I Love. I love that movie, though. But it's oh, kind of about, about it's kind of like about Courtney Love plus, you know, other sort of um, musicians of the Riot Girl era. And I think a lot of it's really pulled from Courtney and probably some actors that Alex. Um, knows anyway Alex Alex Ross Perry make another movie please not to rush you or anything but it's been a minute so I want to see 
some more Alex Ross Perry stuff. I love that dude. I love that dude's movies. It sticks with me. And and, um, having known so many people who struggle with some similar sort of things that that this character is struggling with in the film, it it really, there's some real truths and reality in it. Yeah. Um, And and it just goes, it goes really fucking hard, this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just like Mm kind of nails it to the ground. So I love that film. A lot, but I'm also going to just quickly mention I I'm not a I'm not a Beatles fan, so you guys are going to probably kill me for this Uh-oh. one. I know, right? Oh no, not the. I actually like Backbeat a lot. Oh, oh I haven't I seen that. It's the that. Stuart Sutcliffe film, yeah, right? Okay, I and seen and that. I liked it. I remember liking it a lot, and I haven't seen it in years. But I I really kind of liked it because it was a look. It was a biopic, not about the people that you think it should be about. Yeah. You know that everybody wants it to be about, but about this guy who made a decision to not pursue fame with the, with them. And was originally in the band. And it was a lot about his sort of artistic and relationship and friendship with John Lennon and the sort of budding heads. And there's also a kind of an interesting maybe romance question mark between them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's this sort of line between playing music with somebody versus maybe being in love with them. It's a really interesting. And cool. then you, you bring yeah. you bring this woman into it who who was alive and who did consult on it, who was Stuart Sutcliffe's partner, who – he, she she that's kind of why he, st- he stayed back to be with her mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. pursue painting as opposed to go to America with the Beatles or at least that's the tall tale that's sure. being told yeah. um, but I just found it to be fascinating because it was this look at this band that you you know we all have had information about them rammed down our throat but it's this and that's this a other different angle on that yeah. whole mm-hmm. right experience yeah there's a handful of dialogue scenes that are written really well and yeah and it's also um, kind of a little bit of a, a critique of the sort of um, John Lennon kind of always being portrayed as this lo- you know, this figure of love when really that wasn't who he always was. Right. And a lot of, he had a lot of rage and a lot of anger and you know, that dark. comes out. Yeah. yeah that yeah. comes out in this. So anyway, I, I would throw that on there as an interesting kind of uh, different sort of take on that particular band. Cool. Add that to my list. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that either. Let me know what you think. Cause again, it's been a long time. Uh-huh. It probably, I think it, it probably leans a little cheesy at times, but I do remember some isolated scenes being sort of really memorable and liking it. Yeah. One more shout out. I want to give an honorable mention. It's kind of a more obscure movie. Uh, Anton Corbin's uh, film Control, which is about I think Control's Ian very good. Curtis. Oh yeah, um, I think it's very very good. Yeah, film. I really like that movie a lot. Um, great Samantha Morton performance, and Ian Curtis, of course, died so young, and Joy Division ultimately produced so much content. Yeah. that it's you know unlike so many musician biopics that have to span decades because their you know subjects lived so long right. and just produced. Song after song. How old was he? He was like 23 or something like that, oh, he was right? That like, young? He was Pretty super, early. super yeah. young. And Joy Division, you know, only did like one EP, right? And I then a so, couple yeah. singles, and then the song yep. that got folded into the New Order. Uh, when New Order was born from from the ashes of, of Joy Division, I guess. Um, but I love Joy. I, I, I think I was a big Joy Division fan in high school before that movie came out, but that movie kind of sent me pushed it forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's into a great, the stratosphere. It's a great film. Yeah. I'll also tell you that in backbeat, I believe Laura Palmer's in this thing. Oh, I think she, real? I think she now, plays Astrid. I'm definitely watching. Yeah. It. I think she plays Astrid. Cheryl I think Lee. she plays the, the woman that he stays behind for. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Anyway. Well, those are all, I think some good suggestions. Yeah. And now a look at what we're watching this week. Rachel, be quiet. No, silent, I must insist, because I'm here to talk about what I have been watching. No, no, don't don't try to interrupt. 
Um, I'm going to be talking today about uh, two great, great movies, one new and one not new, one that shows up on all those best movies of all time lists that I had never seen until this very afternoon. So the new release I'm going to talk about uh, is Wes Anderson's Asteroid City, now playing at the Sidewalk Cinema, though by the time you hear this, that may not be the case. Check SidewalkFest.com for tickets and showtimes. Listen, I love uh, I love uh, Wes Anderson. I love Asteroid City. I don't think that's going to come as a surprise to anybody who's been listening to this podcast. Uh, of course, I'm in the tank for it. But um, to me, this is um, far from being just Wes Anderson's same old uh, bag of tricks, though I think you could argue it kind of is in addition to the new stuff that he's doing. Um, this is one of his sort of more somber, sadder efforts in a little while. It feels very inspired by what we all collectively lived through in 2020 with COVID and sort of the destabilizing events of the Trump presidency and the fact that the world feels like it's spinning wildly out of control and that every day we wake up and our, our worldview has shifted somewhat. Like things that we never thought were possible seem to be happening regularly. Um, and whatever pre-established meaning that we had uh, discovered for ourselves in existence seems to um, be, well, shaken up. Um, Wes Anderson's Asteroid City kind of explores this metaphorically. It follows a wide group of characters who are um, converging on this small desert town um, who experience something otherworldly that shakes up their uh, worldview and sends them into existential crises of both comic and, and sort of tragic varieties. Um, it also, in Anderson's style, has this very ornate framing device. It's not just the story of this group of people in Asteroid City. It's the story of a TV show that purports to be about the creation of a play, which is the story of Asteroid City that we see play out um, in the color sequences. These black and white sequences also feature many of the ensemble actors in the cast playing the actors who are playing these roles. Um, it sounds more confusing, I think, than it is. Um, but your mileage may vary as to if the metaphor hits for you. I think the metaphor works beautifully. Um, and it all culminates in this really wonderful sequence with um, Jason Schwartzman, who's sort of the lead of the movie, and uh, Margot Robbie, who has one scene in this movie. Uh, the scene that they share together is really, really beautiful. Um, comes near the end of the film. So I've seen Asteroid City twice. Uh, I liked it a lot on the first viewing. It improved on the second viewing. It is certainly a very dense movie in the way that his previous few films has been dense. If you um, were not a big fan of The French Dispatch, which was my favorite movie of 2021, um, this is not a radical departure but I think that people who disliked the French Dispatch or who were cooler on it seem to be responding more positively in general to this one. So if that describes your reaction to Wes Anderson, um, I, I still recommend checking it out. It is my favorite movie of 2023 so far, but that's not saying a ton, um, even though I've seen some really good movies. Um, so to shift gears, no, be quiet, Rachel, be quiet. 
I, I must insist that I continue this monologue uninterrupted. Um, the classic film that I watched for the first time earlier today is Akira Kurosawa's Ron from 1985. This was one of Kurosawa's last couple of movies, a big epic take on Shakespeare's King Lear set during samurai times where an uh, elderly lord um, with three sons decides he wants to split up his kingdom among them, you know, uh, as in King Lear. The two of the sons are um, obsequious sort of kiss asses who flatter their father. And the third son is the one who tells it like it is, talks straight to his father, uh, engenders, of course, his father's wrath and anger, but ultimately uh, is the one who has his father's best interests at heart. Um, there are some epic, crazy uh, action sequences in this movie told on a scale that you just don't really see in other films. Uh, the whole thing is beautifully shot. Um, it's just as much, I think, in some ways, a movie about clouds passing across the sun at midday, uh, temporarily shading fields, as it is a movie about, you know, samurai intrigue and these sort of feudal uh, disputes in in Japan, um, such as is Kurosawa's eye um, and his sense of pacing. I mean, the film is told in a lot of wide shots, not a ton of close-ups. And, you know, the, the actor playing the Lear figure, this elderly uh, lord, is in this very theatrical makeup the entire time to sort of emphasize his declining uh, health and sanity. Um, so a really, really spectacular movie. I, I am shockingly, and I, I can see that you're making a shocked face there, Rachel, um, shockingly not as well-versed in Kurosawa as you might expect, or as I should be, I'm working on it. Uh, I definitely want to see some more stuff from him after Ron. Um, I've seen some other stuff, you know, I, I, give me some credit here. I've seen some Kurosawa movies, but I'm not an expert by any means. And um, this movie was so good. It makes me want to be an expert in Kurosawa. So, Two very, very strong recommendations in Asteroid City and Ron, and I'm calling my shot here, Rachel. I want you to know this, because you're definitely in the room with me right now, hearing the words that I speak with your physical ears. I want to put Ron on the big screen at the cinema, because that is a movie that needs to be seen on a huge screen with booming sound. Uh, what a vision that is. And Asteroid City, of course, currently playing at a theater near you. So check both of those out. Oh, you don't want, you don't have anything that you're watching, Rachel? Well, that's fine. We'll bring this segment to a conclusion again. I know that you're definitely in the room with me, um, but you, you're just shrugging your shoulders and, and definitely don't have anything to say. So that's fine. Our listeners will uh, hear you in just a moment in the outro. So uh, my name is Corey Kraft. I'm signing off with that. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Side Talks Podcast, where your own personal cinematic redneck nachos and blue tick burger. Oh, Lord. Uh, We're what, at it again. What what chain restaurant is this This from? is a very special chain restaurant. Okay. I just need you to know that this is the 
Ole Red restaurant. Ole Red? Do you know who... Who's that guy who was on The Voice? What's his name? He's uh, married to or dates Gwen Stefani. What's his oh, name? Oh, Blake, Blake Shelton. Blake Shelton. This is Blake Shelton's restaurant in He's Nashville. got a restaurant? He's got a restaurant, a.k.a. a tax haven. They all do, man. Yep. I was just there this weekend. It's like yep. him, Dirks Bentley... Uh, Kid Rock. Jason Aldean. Little Big Town. Yeah, it's Y'all are just making names up now. No, no child, no. You're I'm not going to tell me that there is a country musician with a following named Dirks Bentley. Oh, yeah. Oh, He's been around for a while. It's sure. spelled awesome, okay. too. It's a D-I-E-R. Yeah, I need to look <laughs> at that menu soon. But let me tell you something. Is there anything in the world that makes you think, I want a burger, and you know what kind of burger I want? I see this on the menu. It's called a blue tick burger. Hell no. That sounds shit to me. Isn't just that the name of like a shit. dog? I guess so, but it just, it is. any way you look at it. I mean, these are just a couple of the of the items that are on on this menu, as I'm sure that you can imagine. There's this one is just so embarrassing, trash talking taco salad. Oh boy! And of course, there's a Nash burger. Let me tell you what they have done. They have buried the calorie count. I, I'm about to email Blake Shelton and say I need to know what the calories are on these um, on this chick. This is the most annoying. You ready? Yeah. Kiss my country grilled chicken sandwich. No. Yes, that is an actual thing here. And what's the what my favorite part about the redneck not redneck nachos are is you know what they are? Uh potato skins with They're they're just tortilla chips with cheese and lettuce and jalapeno. They're just fucking nachos. They're just fucking nachos. But they're they're fun themed yeah. nachos for rednecks. There's also a know. pig and cheese, which is smoked bologna, lettuce, tomatoes. That's I a sandwich smoked bologna? Yeah. It's Ugh. on Texas toast. Mm. No. Oh, man. Honey Bee Hot Chicken and Waffles? No. Yes. Anyway. Well, Blake, you know, nice try. I hope you're, hope you're getting your, your money's worth as far as a tax haven goes. Right, exactly. Um, so, I mean, the bigger question here is not about the calorie I'll count. I'll be the burger. Okay. Blue Tick Burger, you are. I thank you for taking... For taking the sword on that one, I, I, I don't know that I find it the most appetizing name. But well, neither are redneck nachos. Yeah, that's not better. But also, am I wrong to say that if you're going to call something redneck nachos, do something other than just regular nachos? Yeah, you like, got to make it redneck. I don't know. Put what, what's up? What would make it redneck? Like, I put don't black eyed peas know. on it or fucking. I don't. I really don't. We but put I'm, collard greens on them, motherfuckers. But I'm also not building know. a fucking restaurant Pimento called cheese. the Old Red. Yes, there you go. Look, we just came up with, you came up with that in 30 seconds. Pimento cheese instead of nacho cheese. Done. They're redneck. Thank you to Boutwell <laughs> Studios for uh, putting our show together. And dealing with us. By the way, you heard Brad mention a long list of other Nash Vegas restaurants. You've got, you've got this already and in so the, the just hopper. Guess what's in front of you, Corey? Oh, Lord. Miles and miles and miles of outros that have all kinds of fun food names. I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to pace it out okay. so that we're not doing it every time. But boy, oh boy, are there plenty of these to go through, and they're all terrible. And you know what it is? It's all the same plate of nachos all down that street. The outro is just turning into our restaurant review <laughs> segment, which is really satisfying. Do we, have oh, we have man. we been to any of these establishments? No, no we have not. We have not. Will we? Possibly. Rachel, more likely than me. Um, I'm going. Field trip. We're all going together. Oh my That's God. it. On our 400th episode, I'm flying in. <laughs> <laughs> Shit from the Rainforest Cafe. All right. 
Anyway, thank you for listening to this podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Visit SidewalkFest.com or follow us on social media at Sidewalk Film. And why don't you get a ticket or two or several to uh, the Sidewalk Film Festival, which is coming up in August in downtown Birmingham. It's the 25th annual. And, of course, the cinema is open year-round. So come see a movie with us. That website again, SidewalkFest.com. See you later. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.